The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Once again, welcome. So glad you all are here. My name is Alan, and uh, last night we had a pretty great event here called Trunk and Treat. We had uh, a lot of people from our church, from our community, and it was a good time. Uh, we want to show you a real short video, just kind of give you a glimpse. If you were here last night, you might see yourself. If you were not here, you'll see what uh, you may have missed. So this is a little glimpse of what Trunk and Treat looked like last night. It was, uh, it was big fun. <laughs> Special thanks to your staff and to an incredible team of volunteers who made the event happen and then turned everything around at the end of it so that we could gather here uh, today and uh, celebrate. So just give them a hand. I mean, these guys worked real hard. It was good. So let me uh, just ask you, I want to I interact with uh, a few of you who actually attended the Trunk and Treat event last night. How many of you were there? How many of you were there for the Trunk and Treat? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, I'm looking for a, a volunteer that uh, raised their hand you didn't know. So I'm just going to come out. Anybody who was at Trunk and Treat, I just, just want to ask you a couple questions. Just want to ask you, it's not going to hurt. I uh, just want to ask, you're pointing to your husband. Awesome. Okay, good, good, okay. Hey, excuse me. I'm going to come through. Pardon me. Excuse me. Come, coming through, coming through. Excuse me. Good to see you. Would you stand up, please, since yes. you volunteered so well? I love it. Love Thank it, you. man. So um, uh, uh, tell me your name. Mike. Mike. Okay. And where are you from, Mike? Uh, originally Northern California. California. Okay. And uh, uh, you didn't dress up last night, did you? I, didn't. I saw you. You didn't I did. dress up. So if you could dress up as anything, I mean, if money was not an lot, it was just, you could be anything, what would you be? What would you dress up as? I know it's tough. I know it's it's putting you on the spot here. Batman. Batman. Okay. Yeah, I could let me see. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Batman. Okay. All right. Now this is easier. Easier. Uh, favorite Halloween candy. If you could have anything. Oh, almond joy. Almond joy. Okay. 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 Uh, the band is going to sing a song for you, All right. and it's specific to you yes, and yes. and who you are. And so, uh, Michael, we have Mike. Okay. Yeah. Who's from uh, Northern California. Okay. Uh, if he could uh, uh, dress up as anything, his friend over here told him it would be Batman. Okay. Um, Thank you, and Almond Joy would be his uh, candy of choice. Right. And so uh, because of, you're kind of an old soul and your hair, uh, would you do kind of an Elvis uh, song think, in celebration of Mike here? We got a little, 
Nice job, Michael. Thank you very much. Nice job. Okay, I, I want to do one more. I want to do one more. Okay, you're enthusiastic. You're so excited. You got your hand up. Somebody didn't even force you to do this. So can, would you slide out here for me, please? Come on. Come on out, out here. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, welcome. Hi. Thanks Hi. for putting your hand up. So what's your name? Christine. Christine. With a K. With a K. Okay. Got it. When it's sung, that really matters. Yeah. I got, yeah. You. I got you, Christine. Christine, okay. And where are you from, Christine? Ohio. Ohio. Go Bucks. Um, uh, it, did you dress up, or are you dressing up for I Halloween? I had on a jersey, Ohio State jersey, but I took it off because I was too hot. Okay, okay. So, so would you say a well, football player or... No, I'm glad you, I'm glad. No, I mean, I wasn't nervous about that. So, so, so you had an Ohio State journey. Was it a football jersey? Yes. So uh, a football player, Ohio State football player. But okay. I, I, if I wanted to be anything, I'd be a cheerleader. Oh, a cheerleader. Okay, okay. Am I making this too complicated? Yes, you are. Making it complicated. Okay, and uh, uh, I just want to take a little uh, change of direction here uh, in light of current events and such. Uh, last night, uh, the Cubs didn't do well. Uh, they didn't do well. They didn't, they're down three to one. And so, uh, so what would you say? Do you not, do you not care? Do you think they're going to come back? Do you think that, that, that they don't have a chance? What I do you think? think? The Indians are going all the way. You think the Indians are going all the way? Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Michael, we have uh, Christine from mm -hmm. Ohio. With a K. With a K. No, Ohio doesn't have a K in okay, it. Yeah. Oh, okay. She wants us also to know that Reese's Cup is her favorite candy, oh, just okay. in the event that we're going to, you know, supply those or something like that. <laughs> okay, okay. That's right. Okay. Uh, if she could be anything, it'd be a cheerleader. Okay. And, uh, and she thinks the Indians are going to win. What do you guys think of that? Yeah. Ooh, kind of a mixture. Okay, okay, okay. Well, um, because of your enthusiasm, I feel enthusiastic. I, do you mind if I take this one? Do you mind? Because you're, I mean, you're the singer, but can I just, can I? Okay, you, you can sit down, but, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I do this one? Okay. Okay, because it's, you look like you had so much fun. So, um, so uh, I'm not going to sing. Uh, here, you want me to turn this off? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, uh, would you just do like a beat? Like a, I'm an 80s guy, so just do a beat and uh, make it funky. Just drop that beat, bro. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Hey. Everybody now. Well, I want to tell you about Christine with a K. 
I think you'd like to meet her. She's from Ohio and she came last night to the trunk and tree celebration. Well, I think her smile is very dear and she could be anything she'd want to cheer. That's Christine. She's Christine with a K, K, K. Everybody now, K, 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 K. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I asked her about the Cubs while I would come up here and dance, well, she says they don't really have a chance. No, don't have a chance, those Cubs. Oh, the Cubs don't have a chance, no. Hey, yeah. Boom. Okay. All right, there we go, there we go. Alan Cool J, everybody. Alan Cool J. He got flow. He got flow. Yeah, Alan. Alan Cold J. Uh, so, uh, so thanks, band. Uh, you guys can make anybody sound good, right there, right there. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Christine, with a K. Um, uh, we uh, we want to have uh, fun, and so we you know last night we had this event. We want to have fun with the with the families. Uh, you know, some people in Christian circles say that anything around this time of year is evil. That any kind of gathering, it's it's evil. Now I'm I'm very aware of the history of Halloween and the roots of it, and why there's a concern with all of that. Let me just tell you, a three-year-old dressed up as a dragon is not evil. I mean, there's nothing evil about that. I mean, I mean, this is an opportunity for us to connect with our neighbors. This, is an, this, is, this can be such a great family experience, and that's what we hope Trunk and Treat was, and it really was last night. Lots of families from our community, and you all invited people, and some of you may be visiting here today because you were there last night. And, and so we love families here. We value families. And this morning, I want to talk about family. I want to talk about this, this central piece, this structure that God created. We are... We are shaped and formed by, 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 by something no more powerful than family. I mean, we are, we are, family shapes and forms us more than anything else. All of those vacations, all of those great memories, all of those meals together, all of those fights around those meals, all those slam doors all that frustration with siblings and wrestling this down and play wrestling and angry wrestling and, and holes in walls and broken items and all that stuff. All of those pieces, they come together and they dramatically, significantly form who you are. So as we, as we think about faith development, as you look back on uh, your family of origin, the family unit that, that you grew up in, how does that shape your view of God? How did that shape and form, positively or negatively, how did that form your views of God? How much of a role did that play in your beliefs in who God is? As you look at your current family, whether you're a, a, a sibling and you're looking at your, your siblings and your parents in that way, or you have a, uh, a family that you are a part of, that you are a, a parent in, or uh, whatever you might view as a family right now, what is your story right now in terms of that being a part of people connecting with God? How is the family unit drawing people towards God 
or not. As you think about the future of your family, whether it's a family you might have someday or what your family would look like in five, ten years, what do you think that's going to look like in terms of drawing people in as a part of this family unit, drawing people in to serve the Lord, to surrender their hearts, surrender their lives to God? It's important to look back on the story, our family history, family story, and say, how, how was God a part of that journey? But what we're primarily looking at today is how is that family unit going to be used by you, used by God to, uh, to, to shape the future of your relationship with God and those in your family? How is that family unit going to do that? As we move into that, would you bow your heads with me and pray? Father, I'm so thankful for uh, our family units, and each and every one of us can identify things that are broken as part of that, and we can identify things that are good. And so, God, I, I pray that um, you would help us to think positively about our family here this morning, that you would give us hope, encouragement, um, God, that there would truly be a word from you, a moment, a thought, a sense from you that you want to do something beautiful in our families. You want to do something incredible, something beyond our wildest dreams. God, come, speak to us to that end, we pray. Amen. Uh, for those of you who are new, let me just give you the context of our conversation. We are in a, a, uh, a theme this entire year called foundation. And the idea of foundation is that we've identified 40 foundational passages of Scripture to help us understand what the overall story of God is. And we're walking through that whole story right now. The part of the story that we're looking at is, is what I'm calling the unwritten. And it's, it's about our parts of the story. It's, there's a lot that happened as a part of history. There's a, there are glimpses of what it's going to look like in the future. But right now, you and I are part of that story. Our decisions are part of that story. And so we're looking at our unwritten story. Last week, I talked about you and, uh, and your place at work and how that is a part of the story. Uh, today, I want to talk about you and family and how that's a significant part of the story. Next week, I want to talk about you and your marriage, whether it's the, the marriage you're in right now or your, uh, plan, your uh, planned marriage at some point, your plan to be married at some point. It's, uh, we're going to take a look at a foundational verse next week that is incredibly profound. These are words that are written 2,000 years ago, and uh, it's incredibly profound in terms of the marriage relationship. Uh, please don't miss uh, next week. We're going to go after that. Uh, but today, uh, as I said, we're looking at you and your family. And I want to dig deep into the Old Testament to look at a verse that was written by a leader uh, of the, the tribes of Israel, a guy named Joshua. We're going way back into the Old Testament. We're looking at the sixth book of the Bible. There are the five books, which are the Pentateuch, the first part of the Bible. Then, then the next book, the sixth book, is the book of Joshua. Now, just to remind you where this fits in the overall story, as part of the Pentateuch, the five books, there's this central story of the Exodus, where the people of God are in slavery in Egypt, and God calls Moses to free the people from slavery. And then they are, that's the story where they cross the Red Sea and the mighty parting of the Red Sea. We're familiar with that story. They get across and they wander in the desert for 40 years. Wandering in the desert for 40 years, the leadership of the Israelites tran transitions from Moses to this man named Joshua. 
Moses does not bring the people to their final destination. He does not bring them to what's called the promised land. Joshua has that honor. And so Joshua takes leadership of the Israelites. They cross the Jordan River, enter into the, the, the promised land story, enter into that journey. That's at the beginning of the book of Joshua. And they come and they conquer many cities. And the, the tribes of Israel take over that whole area, the land that was promised to them long ago by God. So now we're moving near the end of the book of Joshua. We're into chapter 24. And what he's, what he's doing now is he's an older man, and his journey as their leader is about to end. So he gathers the leaders, gathers them around, and has a few last words that he wants to share with them. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, uh, if you're new, if you don't have a Bible, we would um, uh, welcome you to pick up one, a free Bible in the lobby. We'd love for you to have one. You can, of course, get uh, free ones on your smartphone. We will have our foundational verse up on the screen for just a moment, but I want to take a look at a verse that sets up the overall story here. Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Just a quick little pause and, and uh, just a little tangent is uh, that I love the word Shechem. Uh, and I, I have some kind of drawing to that word. It's a good city. There's nothing evil about this city. But for some reason, it sounds like a cuss word to me. And, and, and so I actually, a number of years ago, I passed it on to my kids to say, I know they have a lot of options in terms of what to say. And, and so my 13-year-old, to this day, when he's frustrated, he says, Shechem. And so that works. I think that works for him. And I, I don't, we'll see, you know, if God wasn't pleased with that. But that's his word. That's his word. Um, uh, so Shechem is a good place, and he had gathered the leaders, and here verse 1 sets it real clear what the, what the stage for this is. And he says, here's the story, here's what God has done, and he reminds them, and he says, our job, as, as the Israelites, as followers here, our job is to choose to serve the Lord. And then we land on our foundational verse, verse 15, where he says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. There's a, an, a very important, profound assumption that Joshua makes in this command, in this suggestion. Choose whom you will serve. The idea is that we all serve some kind of God. We all serve some kind of God. That the issue is not, is not God versus not God. It's not we serve the one true creator who breathed life into you versus not choosing any God, that Joshua is clear in saying, in saying it, is, it is about choosing to serve God or choosing to serve something else. It's not simply God versus not God. Let me give you a, 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 another version of this. It would be like describing what your plans are after high school. 
that it's not as simple as just saying college versus not college. You, you can't just say that. What are your plans for after high school? I'm not going to college. Well, that, that's not a plan. That's something you're planning not to do. You've got to have a plan. It's either college or you're going to take a year off, or you're going to work with your cousin, or you're going to travel around Europe, or you're going to live in a van down by the river. Whatever the thing might be, you've got to have a plan. It's not simply college versus not college. You've got to walk out. What is the plan? So it's not just God versus not God. It's, it's choose whom you will serve, because we all serve somebody. Every one of us on the planet has somebody or something that has power over us. Something that is, that is ultimately powerful in our lives that has power over us. We all serve some kind of God. This is essential for us to get after here as we talk about whether we choose to serve God or not. We all serve some kind of God. Here's, here's how I think humanity works. And this is kind of a new thought for me this week. It's not found specifically in Scripture, but this is kind of how, how, how I think it happens. I think in the family unit, I think all of us as children are born and we instantly view mom and dad as, as a God. That mom and dad are the ultimate in power and authority, and, and everything comes from mom and dad. And so I don't think it's, I don't think that Young children have the mental capacity to understand an all-powerful being beyond mom and dad. I think we start, and there's an imprint in that beautiful, intimate relationship with mom and dad. There's an imprint that says, that says uh, this, is some, this, this is a connection with God. That's why God is referred to as Father, our Father in heaven. And then what happens is that that, that worship it transfers from mom and dad to the one true God. That's what, that just, that's what the faith journey is, is that we realize that mom and dad are not God, and then it transfers to the one true God who is the ultimate in loving and generosity and grace. And, and maybe that happens at a very young age. Maybe that happens for kids who are teenagers as they make that transition. If, you know, mom and dad may play a different role, et cetera. But it transitions. For, for, for me and my family, uh, that transition, the reality for my firstborn son that I'm not God, that kicked in for him very early. He was fully aware of that at a very young age. So my oldest is Gordon. He's now 15 years old. And uh, when he was little, what we did all the time was wrestle. We wrestled, we called it Wrestlepalooza, and we would, we would, let's do Wrestlepalooza, and we would just wrestle all the time, and it was my job to say, I'm going to take you this time, I'm going to take you, and then every time I would go, oh, 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 and then he would beat me, and he would uh, take me down, and uh, that's what we did, we'd laugh, et cetera, et cetera. We did it a thousand times. What I didn't know is that I was imprinting something into him. When he was four years old, uh, he was at a friend's house, and they recorded a conversation he was having with a friend that, that Gordon didn't know the conversation was happening, and we found out, we, we saw the videotape later, so we can learn a little bit more about what Gordon is thinking. In this video, Gordon is in the red sweater. He's on, we're in Ohio at this time. He's in a, he's in a red sweater, and he's on the left side of this video image. Listen. You know what? I'm stronger than my dad. Are you strong? 
Now, I just want to clarify something. I let him win. I mean, I just, I mean, I just, I just want you to know that. I'm, you know, I haven't been working out that much. But I let him win on a regular basis. And, and yet he, he learned, he embraced through this interaction that, that, uh, that dad is not all powerful. That, that dad is not God. I think there's, there's a significant, I think children, their, their first imprint is that mom and dad, they represent God. That's kind of our first learning about, about embracing and, and dealing with the love of an all-powerful being. That's why it's so hard for children when that family unit is broken. It's so hard for kids when, when, a, when they lose their mom and dad to a terrible accident or an illness or, when, or, if, um, or if a parent is abusive to a young child. That's that, that early imprint. It just, it just really gets messed up or, or in, the, in the divorce of mom and dad. And then we thought, oh, the kids are going to be fine. The kids are, kids are fine. But there's this, there's this little piece, I believe, inside of children that says this, this God figure is broken. Because ideally what happens is that a child watches the love of mom and dad and the joy that's in that family unit. A child watches that, and then that beautifully transitions into the love and the mercy and the grace of God in heaven. Because we all have some kind of God. If it doesn't transition to the one true God, it will transition to something else. It'll transition to another person. When I was uh, growing up, for me, it transitioned to my peers in elementary and middle school that they became the most important influences in my life. It was my peers. It might transition to a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or to money or power or substance abuse, it's going to transition into something because we all serve some kind of God. We all serve, it's not God versus not God. We all serve some God. It's a matter of identifying who or what that God is. So Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. The assumption is we all serve some God. And we get to choose who or what that God is. We get to choose who or what that God is. I've shared this before. Uh, that my story growing up is that I grew up in a non-Christian home. And we were right across the street from a little Christian church. And I will forever be thankful to that church who introduced me to Jesus and allowed me to learn the story of Jesus. Um, but I stumbled through middle school and high school and my faith. I was, really wasn't sure what this was all about. And I would learn some things. And I was very, uh, very torn with uh, two different kinds of personalities. It was my Sunday personality and my rest of the week personality. And, and it, really, it didn't get serious for me until my second year of college. First year of college, that's the one I, I continue to repent for. But second year of college, that's when uh, there was a major transition for me. That's when I, I fully, fully directed my life towards Christ. And that's when I got baptized. And that was a huge journey for me. I was still connected to that little church across the street. And the, and the, the pastor of that uh, church had a gathering of college and career people. And there were four of us. And, and we would gather in this little Bible study. And one, one day prior to my baptism, he looked at me and he said, Alan, 
if you grew up right across the street from a Muslim mosque, would you be Muslim? I mean, I, that blew my mind. As a, as a young man with an, a very undeveloped faith system, a very undeveloped understanding of different religions and how this all works, that blew my mind because my initial response absolutely was, of course I would. Of course I would. I mean, my faith is connected to geography. I mean, I, that's just a church right across the street from me. That's why I'm doing it. So it, it really messed me up, and it made me think, okay, have I really chosen Jesus, or have I only been presented with one option? Is it really a choice for me, or is it something that, that, that was kind of forced upon me? And so I went on this journey. It was, it was, it, I was about to be baptized, and I went on this, this rapid journey to try to figure this out. And uh, one of the books that I read, I, really, I set my school studies aside, and I went after this. One of the books I read was called Deceived. This book is no longer in print. You can't get it anymore. It's an old book. But it was the, the story of Jim Jones. And the brainwashing that took place with, with that story many years ago that, where he took and nearly a 1,000 people, he brainwashed in, in that cult to drink the cyanide Kool-Aid, and they, and they died, over 900 people. And so I read this book about how does brainwashing happen? How, how do people get caught up in a faith system? And so I wanted to find out, was I being brainwashed or was I choosing Jesus? This was really important to me, huge part of my faith journey. And as I looked at it and poured into it, it just it came, it became so simple. It was a matter of freedom. It was an issue of the freedom to choose to serve God or not. It was all about freedom. Any faith system, any religious organization, any church leader who that you feel boxes you in a corner, kind of traps you, you feel like you're kind of forced to believe something, that, that, is, that is not what God has set up in terms of our response to him. That's, that's not the way this is set up. It has to be grounded in the freedom to choose, that our God loves us so much, he's willing to let us walk away from him. That is essential to our response to God, is that he's willing, that's, he's willing to let us walk away from him. He loves us that much. There is power in the opportunity to choose. And that's what our faith is about, is this opportunity to choose to serve God. When we, when we you know, it's possible for us to... to um, abandon the power of that choice. I and mean, we have the presidential election coming up. And, and the power of the, of the vote and the ballot and not only the presidential election, but the other things that are you know, important issues that are on that, um, on that ballot, that if we just kind of guess or just check something, or if we, if we just bypass the whole system, we are, we're, we're, we're ruining the power of choice. That the democracy is based on this idea of we get to be, we get to choose, we get to have a say in this. And that is so powerful in terms of our relationship with God, that we get to choose to serve God. Joshua here, he says, he says, you can serve, you can choose to serve the gods of our ancestors from the other side of the river. 
They were on the east side before they crossed into the promised land. You can choose to engage with those gods. You can choose the gods. You can consider the gods of the Amorites. Absolutely. Check it out. Look at them. Check them all out. You're free to look and explore. You have the freedom to choose, but choose wisely. Choose wisely. And then he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me just talk to the men here for just a moment. Men who are leaders in your homes, future leaders of your homes. This is your job. Joshua models what leadership looks like. Men, this is your job. You want to know how to lead in marriage? You want to know how to lead your kids? It's a matter of standing before them and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's leadership. I know you have influence in many other parts of your life. We talked about that, that, week, that last week and your influence at work and how God uses that for, in extraordinary ways. Joshua can relate to that. He was the leader of the tribes of Israel. He gets it. He completely understands that. You have, he understands. He had tremendous power and authority. And he says, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Never let your vocation, your calling, your passion outside of your family, never let that give you permission to neglect your role in your family. Let that be your primary mission place. We start with that. And Joshua has influence elsewhere, but he says, in my home, this is what it looks like. And it, it doesn't mean that we force our kids to believe in Jesus. We don't do that. Our kids get the freedom to choose Jesus in the same way that you and I have the freedom to choose Jesus. What this means is that it says, as you're a child, as you're a child and you are making the transition from mom and dad as a God figure to the, to, to the true God, as you're a part of that journey, as you're trying to figure out what life is all about and what the options are and what different faith systems are, etc., as you are in my house, we will serve the Lord. We will talk about God. We will treat each other with respect. We, in this house, we will serve the Lord. That's leadership. Notice how he starts off. He says, as for me and my house. So it starts with him. We can't ask somebody to do something that we're not ready and willing to do. So it starts with us as leaders in our homes to say, okay, this is, this is, what, this is what I want to do and model. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's leadership. Now, Joshua's overall argument here in chapter 24, as he walks us all out, the central verse here is, is our foundational verse, verse 15. But the overall argument, as he looks back on the history of the people of God, and he says, as we look at all these pieces, why would we not choose to serve the Lord? Why would we not and so then he says this foundational verse 15, and then look at how the people respond in the, in the verses right after that, verses 16 through 18. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. 
He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. In other words, choosing to serve the Lord is not, well, that's what my parents did. It's not, uh, well, that's just our tradition. That's the uh, community I, I grew up in. That's the church that's right across the street from my house. That's, that's in response to how I feel about God, how I feel here in this moment. No, choosing to serve the Lord, it's modeled here in chapter 24. It's rooted in history. It's rooted in facts. It's rooted in the fact that God has been faithful, is faithful, and will be faithful. So far be it from us to not serve that God. And so just to, just to put different language around what I just read from verses 16 through 18, the, the people are saying, remember our ancestors in uh, in, in Egypt and how God freed us from slavery and that? Do you remember all, do you remember the stories? Remember our, our great, great uh, grandparents telling us what it was like to be in slavery and how our world is so different now? Remember, God is faithful. Remember when, uh, you know, Joshua could look at them and say, some of you were with me when we crossed the Jordan River. Remember that? Remember that, Mike? Remember that, Christine? Remember that, Joe, Bob? You were with me when we crossed the Jordan River and we looked up at the mighty walls of Jericho and God prevailed and brought us through that situation. God has been faithful. That this whole journey is to say, is to say okay, now in our situation, as part of our unwritten story and our motivation for how we lead our families, what are our Exodus stories? What are our... Jericho stories that allow us to be reminded, God is faithful. I'm not brainwashed into this. I'm not stuck or trapped into this. I believe in the faithfulness of God. What are the stories in your family, in your own life? What are the stories for us as a church? 20 years ago, there was a small group of people who gathered together in a, as a church meeting in a school. They called themselves Mountain Park Community Church, and they felt called to be here in this Ahwatukee area, but they could not afford land here in this growing, developing area. Just a small group of people. And they encountered a man who owned this piece of property and was willing to give this property to that small group of people who had gathered and said, all you have to do is build an orphanage in Haiti. You, build, you pay to build an orphanage in Haiti, which costs a fraction of what this land costs, and you can have this land. Did you know that? That happened because God is faithful. That's why we get to sit here in this spot this morning. 13 years ago, Elena Porter was a, a part of this uh, church and, uh, and still is. And uh, she felt that God was saying to her, I want you to redeem yoga. Here's this yoga experience and, and the whole Christ-centered uh, yoga, what didn't even exist at the time. And so Elena said, okay, and she didn't understand. For a whole year, she had two students, and she and the two students tried to figure out, okay, here are these this yoga poses and expressions. How can we pour Christ into that? Not have a little Jesus, but wrap the whole thing, just immerse it in Christ, that it's about worship, it's about prayer, it's about connecting with God in a powerful way. And so that was 13 years ago. And then a little bit after that, year after that, there were five people who had joined, and then more people who joined. 
Now, there's hundreds of people who are a part of the free, Christ-centered yoga experience here at Mountain Park because of what happened there. And there are organizations like Holy Yoga that, that were a part of that and teamed up. And now there are uh, Christ-centered yoga, holy yoga experiences across the country, literally across the world, all over the world. God has been faithful. God has, has a story to tell through this body. A couple of years ago, we were all devastated with the news that ADOT was going to come and blow our church out. And they made an offer to us that was going to be disastrous. It was going to be significant. We were going to take a major hit for us as a church. It was going to be hard for us to transition and function and be able to do what we're doing. And through conversations, God had spoken to that. And ADOT ended up coming and saying, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need in order to continue to do what you're doing? It was a, it was a miraculous response. Then, then you pledged $2.8 million in addition to that to say, hey, let's take this opportunity and maximize this new spot and, our, and our, this new place we're going to. God's faithful. He always has been. He is and he will be. And so we look at these journeys and we say, you know, Joshua's argument remains true today. Why would we not want to serve that God? Why would we not want to serve that God? We all serve some kind of God. Who, who's, who's the most powerful? What's the most powerful God in your life? We all serve a God. We get to choose who that God is or what that God is. As you look at the faithfulness of God in Scripture and in the world around you, far be it from us to not choose the one true God, the God of the Israelites who is alive today. Why, why would we not want to raise our home, raise our families centered around the power and the mercy and the generosity of God? Why would we not want to say, as for me and my home, in, in, in as much as I can, as, as I will stumble through this and make mistakes and I'll have good weeks and bad weeks and good years and bad years, and as I wrestle this down together in community and we figure this out together, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why would we not say that? I encourage you to memorize this verse. Write it out. Put it somewhere in your home. Put it somewhere on the front door. Put it somewhere where you remember, this house serves God. Let's figure out what that looks like together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, I thank you that we call you Father. I thank you that regardless of the brokenness from our own experiences growing up and the, and the beauty and the sweet spots from our own family and experiences, that we have the opportunity to choose you, to transition all of our, of our hope in, in what is powerful in the overall story. We can transfer that to you, God. We can call you Father. You are the ultimate Lord. Father, I pray for persons here in this room who, who may, for the first time, just be thinking, okay, what, I want to choose you to be the Lord of my life. God, I pray that that journey would, be, would, would not be lost or washed away here in this moment, God. Help us to, to seek you, to understand more. What does that mean to choose to serve you? God, I pray for those who have 
made that declaration at some point in the past. I serve you, God. For those who have a role in families, moms, dads, that we would together, that we would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you help us to do that in a powerful way? For the benefit of our kids, for the benefit of our community, for the benefit of this country. God, may our families serve you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.